1: Asia-Pacific stocks are trading mixed this morning as investors assess falling consumer prices in Japan and high unemployment numbers in the U.S. Sydney is trading down two-thirds of a percent, Tokyo off 0.4%. Seoul is bucking the trend, though. The costs be up more than one-third of a percent. Joining me now to break down all the market action is Pan Jingyi. She's a senior market strategist with IG. Good morning, Jingyi. Good morning, Misha. Happy Friday. And to you. Now, the S&P 500 finished in the red for the third straight Overnight, the Dow and the Nasdaq lost ground as well, and the Russell 2000 index of small cap stocks fell 1.7%, which is a big drop for that index. So, Jingyi, why are investors turning cautious?
0: Yeah, well, Michelle, so if you look at the price action wise, I think yes it's it's in red, but I would say it's still well a little bit mild. So evidently there's been these concerns over rising bond yields that we have seen um the US tender itself touching one point three percent. Um, and that, of course, altogether leading to the expectation or well, com- some concerns, I should say, with respect to rising borrowing costs. And that, I think, for many of these companies, it's really, well, in a way, sensitive, the likes of tech companies. These are the ones that came a little bit under pressure on the back of this, um, of course, the data side of things, jobless claims, U.S. jobless claims came in well bigger than what the market was expecting. So that's a bit of a disappointing figure as well. So on one hand, you're worried about well, the rising borrowing costs, but on the other hand, you do have this uh, concern that it, well, it could also point to slowing economic momentum. So it's really not been well in the favor of U.S. equities, but, you know, like I just said as well, that decline itself is still seen rather mild. So I think the market's taking a bit of a caution, uh, doing a bit of a wait and see at this
1: point. All right. Speaking of wait and see, a fresh sign of the U.S. economy's ill health came in this week's jobless claims report. Now, applications rose to more than 860,000 people, layoffs clearly remaining high. As the pandemic continues to shut to businesses, now we're also seeing bond yields rise. The 10-year U.S. Treasury note now trading at pre-pandemic levels around 1.29%. That's double where it was last fall and still pretty low, though, in absolute terms. So at these levels, Jingyi, um, would you switch out of some stocks, say low-performing ones, and into bonds instead?
0: Also, Michelle, I think you no, know, definitely we have seen to bonds together really just suffering. What wow, I see with those headlines pointing to the worst that two years since. 2013. And I think at this point of time, the rising bond yield is still a sign that the market's letting go of some of these bonds for the matter. Um, this part, I think, you know, rising to 1.2%. I think this, well, shouldn't be too um, at a point shaking the market's confidence still, in my opinion. I would be a bit more concerned for the likes of the U.S. 10-year, maybe going to 2%, for example. Um, but, you know, as we look to the broad market situation, we're still looking to one-off recovery. And I think, you know, on the Aggregate level, that's altogether, well, the returns are still better than what we're seeing in quite some of the bond market, US, uh, well, if the government bonds for that matter. So um, I would say that, you know, based on what I'm looking at, I think, you know, it's been a bit of a reaction so far to the positive outlook, but it's still going to be a bit more back and forth, I think, moving forward from here. As the market, you know, try to slowly, gradually price in more of these moves and more of the developments on the global recovery and Michelle. In
1: after hours trade, Jingyi, uh, we see U.S. markets getting a bit of a boost from comments by U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Yellen calling on Congress to quickly pass that full 1.9 trillion U.S. dollar stimulus package proposed by U.S. President Joe Biden. There seems to be a bit of a tug of war in the markets right now, Jingyi, or maybe some uncertainty amongst investors at the current levels. What is your take? Um, Would you continue to buy into the U.S. market at these levels?
0: Well, so Misha, I think it's just been one of those kind of weeks when we haven't really gotten any of the new developments what supported market to, well, give that strong start at this week itself having that U.S. economic growth situation, the vaccine deployment, and earnings to some extent, which Walmart in overnight actually came in to be a bit more on this uh, disappointing side of things. So that, given the case, without the fresh catalyst coming through, what Yellen had said, it had been, again, a reinforcement of the positive side. So, like you said, you know, it's been a bit of a tug-of-war. But, you know, really from the start of the week, what we see, the market itself, the views, we haven't changed yet so much, Um, the likes of, well, more of the – Cyclical stocks, those that are sensitive to economic recovery, we're still sticking by those, whereas with the more defensive ones, I think those are the ones that we are you know, perhaps just moving forward with we'll a bit more caution with respect to those. So looking at the likes of financials, especially on the back of this kind of rising bond yield trend, mm-hmm. these will be the ones to continue focusing on.
1: All right, cyclicals then. I want to turn to Australia where Facebook and Google have been locked in a struggle with the Australian government and with news publishers over whether they should have to pay for content. Now, the two companies are taking diverging paths. Google has unveiled a deal with Rupert Murdoch's News Corp. Facebook has removed news items from its feeds and some government pages as well. What do you make of all this?
0: So, Michelle, I think definitely this is an interesting one, and perhaps really uh, maybe just a bit of a precedent for the rest of the world to watch, for that matter. Um, I think you know, evidently for the likes of Australia government to propose paying for news that for the likes of Facebook had claimed to be well something that's unworkable, um, and therefore they have made the decision to actually remove um, them all together. But I think you know, the implications wise, it has been all this kind of backlash particularly concerning how we're sharing of the news for the sake of awareness that those are seen important and especially we're using for those really depending on social media for touring, including some of the non-profits in Australia. So. Um, I think my take on this is that it's still a bit of a work in progress as to how this may together be resolved. Um, but I think definitely for the rest of the world, they will be looking closely to this into how that could actually evolve as well for them.
1: So on the one hand, we've seen smaller news companies struggle across the globe as readers turn to digital sources of news. In Australia, though, we're not talking about a small local company. The company that stands to benefit from this new law is quite powerful. Rupert Murdoch's news corp and at the same time some analysts warn Australia's plans to make digital giants pay for journalistic content will undermine the pay-per-click business model that underpins the whole internet. So the last warning comes by the way from Timothy Berners-Lee. He's a computer scientist who actually invented the World Wide Web. So what do you think? Are you concerned by the broader implications of Australia's proposed law?
0: Well Michelle I think definitely you you, you raised a big one an interesting mm. one over here. Um, I think, you know, personally, I'm really not an expert on this, I have to say, but I think definitely that's going to come into question as to how, you know, different industries will be able to involve on the back of this as well. I mean, you know, just look around. I think, you know, a lot of people have been using the internet as well to make sales, and then there comes the expectation that we'll be actually paying um, GSD on some of these sales as well. So I think it is, you know, uh, what I'm, you know, pretty much the well, free worldwide web that is is, but, you know, I think it's also gradually uh, becoming more and more important in the way we operate our lives. So I think this kind of development is something that is actually expected, but it has to be managed well in order to, you know, like you said, not create some of the inequality as well uh, for some of the news agencies, because the smaller news companies, they are definitely the ones that you will want to see blossoming as well um, under this kind of, well, new age internet conditions.
1: Yeah, so on the surface, the free internet, and then we're solely seeing costs jump in, taxes jump in, lots of grey areas to be sorted out. And when Australian Facebook users went online yesterday, by the way, they found a lot more than empty news feeds for our listeners. There were pages for state health departments, emergency services, even weather reports that were all wiped clean. And Facebook has promised to roll back some of the erased content. It's a really contentious issue. And we'll keep an eye out on that in the show a little later as well. So, Jingyi, we talked about the law in terms of its relations to the internet, but what do you think about internet stocks? I mean, do you expect this to impact investor enthusiasm with regards to Facebook, Google, maybe other big tech stocks as well?
0: Yeah, well, so Michelle, I think what we have seen the Facebook share price is really over the course of yesterday with the backlash coming in. It's fallen about one point five percent. Uh, this compared to the S&P, which only declined about 0.4%. But if you look at the likes of the NYSE FANG Plus Index, which mm-hmm. has all the well big tech companies, that itself had only di- dipped about one percent. So, yeah, I do see that you know this itself had affected Facebook slightly. But you know at the start of the conversation, we've also talked about how bond use itself is coming into question. Mm. So I think that definitely is going to form a little bit of a concern. But I think broadly as well, um, it's just a situation. Situation
1: where the market is now still in a bit of a limbo, uh, waiting fresh leads. Unfortunately, all right. Another in, in other news, oil prices continue to climb as a harsh winter storm has impacted production over in Texas. Brent crude has topped sixty five US dollars a barrel. Jingyi, do you expect energy prices to climb further? Yeah, so I think that's really an
0: interesting one. you know, as you just mentioned, Brent crude oil prices touching sixty-five dollar. That ought to bring a lot of the other producers back online, in the likes of U.S. But you are also having this situation in Texas as well. That's been the main reason that you send prices skyrocketing. A lot of the well, um, just really the oil wells going offline. But overnight as well, we did find prices actually easing from that $65 per barrel level for Brent. And that is with many of these oil patch impacts is actually slowly restarting. So I think that could actually see to a bit of a shift. I think in the short term, there's some risk of, well, just prices actually reversing some of those gains. But I would say that, you know, just on the back of what we have seen on the demand side of things, the expectation the demand is going to stay on the positive side with the vaccine recovery. Uh, we do well, see a bit of a just a floor towards around $60 per hour level in the coming, well, in the short term itself. Um, so that should keep prices largely supported.
1: So jet fuel prices are also on the rise and in normal times, airline stocks fall when prices go up. But I did see an article in Barron's that argues that this year is different, that higher fuel prices could be a bullish Mm -hmm. signal for travel. So what is your take on this? Definitely, Michelle, I
0: think, you know, if we look at this itself, that been a bullish sign, but all together, it's not just really coming from oil. Just really the fact that we have this vaccine rollout coming through. Mm. Um, well countries here in Singapore, we're glad to you know know that we are going to acquire enough for everyone. Uh, but in the U.S., more than ten percent of the people are getting vaccinated, so there is progress being made on this. And and with that, the pent-up demand, I think the markets just really looking to that being the case as well for aviation. So hopefully, that will actually play out the way that we are expecting
1: it. Let's bring the discussion to Singapore, Jingyi. The Straits Times index fell 0.4% yesterday to 2,908. It lost ground since the budget was announced on Tuesday. Why do you think that is?
0: Well, Michelle, I think that's also well just to do with the wider, broader market um, caution, I think, that we have been seeing as well. And likewise for the Singapore market, well, I, I would say the budget itself certainly are still on the positive side of things for market. And I think, you know, just really the market taking to the fact that there is a plan moving forward in terms of, well, emerging stronger together. Um, But coming back to this point, I think just really the broader market seeing a bit of caution at this point, not just the Singapore market, but around the region as well as some of this profit-taking being seen. So that's leading to the uh, the Straits Times Index as of yesterday's close for the week is down about
1: 0.5%. All right. Uh, how about the uh, broader market here in Singapore, Jingyi? Are we seeing sectors that have gotten a boost from the budget announcement at all? Well, Michelle, I would say that if we look
0: at the Singapore Straits Times Index, it is mostly cyclical um, that's been taking up the content here. Um, but I would say in the last five session period, you do see some of the industrial stocks, those are sensitive economic conditions. Mm. I think those have picked up a little, perked up a little bit. And I think that, you know, it's a bit of a, still uh, you know, reflecting the kind of well, positive reaction that the market had been seen, even though the broad market itself has um, been taking a bit of a breather.
1: Now, another big piece of news here at home is that Singapore is opening a bubble for business travellers at Changi Airport. Overseas visitors who arrive under the programme will not have to go through the quarantine, but they won't be able to leave a special facility at Changi either. And when local Singapore residents go to meet them, they will be floor-to-ceiling protective Dividers. So, Jingyi, what are your thoughts about this? And will the initiative, well, it looks restrictive, it seems to be pretty groundbreaking at the same time. What do you say?
0: Well, Michelle, I think, you know, there is this kind of feeling that we get as well that Singapore has been, you know, really advanced in terms of managing the conditions with regard to COVID-19. Um, it's also seen as maybe an example for the rest of the world on how it will look like, you know, when they eventually emerge from a situation of being you know, having back and forth resurgence. So I do see this this has been quite a bit of a positive sign. My only a little bit of a caution perhaps is with regards to how the demand itself is going to be seen. But I think the preparation for eventual, you know, more and more of this easing of these restrictions. And I think, you know, this is going to be a bit of a positive um, lead in terms of how we are going to see more travel, business travels resuming. So I'll be quite cleanly looking to how the demand situation is picked up. And I think
1: that could also be a bit of an indication to how business travels will actually resume across the world. Indeed. Demand, I'll be keeping an eye out for that too. What is your take on the Singapore market, Jingyi, going forward? Do you see it as range-bound or are there opportunities for growth?
0: Well, Michelle, you already said it. It's quite a bit of a range-bound situation that we are seeing for the FDIs this morning. It's down about 0.4%, slightly below the 2,900 level, but... It's been largely anchored around which I think, you know, really the situation is where financials are doing a little bit better on the back of rising yields, but you're still waiting for the rest of the region, rest of the stocks, the cyclical stocks in the Singapore market to play catch up here as well to eventually um, really top that 3,000 level that for the SDI that's been holding things back. So we're going to look a little bit closer to that and maybe, you know, while well, we know that Business travel resumption could be a bit of re re-injection of confidence here for the local market.
1: And how's the SDI doing
0: this morning, Jingyi? Yep, down about 0.45%, 13 points. So that's making it to 2,895.71, slightly
1: down, but in line with the region. Well, enjoy your weekend, Jingyi. Thanks so much Thank for joining us. Thank you. Take care. She's Banjingyi, Senior Market Strategist with IG. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.